Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Geek Garage Podcast, the most inclusive and accessible nerd culture audio program on the interwebs. I'm your host, David, and joined with me is my wife, Lindsay. How are you doing, Lindsay? Pretty good. Good? Pretty good. Yeah? yeah I'm here. Yeah? Did you have an eventful day? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went to work, and you got the kids up by yourself. Yeah, so, I did. So, uh, thank you for that. Let, uh, you let me sleep in, and I didn't even realize it until you came and woke me up, and you are like, shouldn't you be getting ready for work? And I was like, oh my God, shouldn't we be getting the kids ready for school? <laughs> you had already done that, and it was like 8.30, like 15 minutes before I was supposed to uh, call in for our uh, weekly or daily uh, stand-up. So, yeah. uh, thank you for... All of that, I appreciate it. Yep, I'm pretty awesome like that. I know, you really are. That's why I had you come on here, yeah. is uh, to, to keep this ship afloat, keep me in line, keep the ship from sinking. So That's I'm glad, me. Yeah, I'm glad Last resort. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> um, so are you excited about today's topic? Uh, yeah, I'm always excited about the Avengers. Yeah, who isn't really? Um, so we are continuing on with our marvelous adventure, uh, which we, we started with, um, Zach when, uh, when Zach came on, uh, the podcast as a co-host, he, uh, he had barely seen any of the Marvel movies. And so we decided to rewatch them all, but in timeline order and, uh, for those of you that may be new to the podcast or haven't listened in a while, Zach is, um, he's taking a break indefinitely, probably forever. <laughs> um, but he, uh, w- we just decided to do this without him uh, because we don't need any excuse whatsoever to rewatch and then discuss Marvel movies. Isn't that right? True. Yes. Yeah. Um. And I'm very excited. I uh, I think Age of Ultron is a uh, tends to be underrated um, at times, and of course Ant Man is severely underrated. Uh, but I think a solid fan favorite. And um, this also these two movies also round out Phase Two, so um, two big movies. And uh, you know we'll be closing out Phase Two when. Uh, you know, we'll we'll pick back up with phase three, probably about a month from now or so. So, uh, yeah, uh, we didn't have any. Uh, we didn't have a Facebook poll this week. Uh, I don't. I don't think. Um, I just asked for questions or uh, any topics that people might want us to touch on um, between these two movies. Didn't really get any responses that I'm aware of, uh, but that's okay because we have plenty to talk about uh, between your notes and my notes. So. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's get to it, shall we? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So, like I said, we've been doing this for um, a couple months now, uh, when we started with Zach. But when we were doing it, we we just kind of meandered. We we didn't really have a much of a structure for going through the movies. We I just kind of asked him what his initial thoughts were, and then we d- did a little bit deeper of a dive into you know, the high points and whatnot. Um, we're actually going to switch things up a little bit with these two movies, kind of test the waters and see how this goes. Um, we are actually going to go through the movies um, 
chronologically or you know from start to finish but hitting the high notes of of the movies and kind of giving our impressions uh, or our, our thoughts on certain scenes and I've kind of formulated some hypothetical questions along the way so uh, that's uh, like I said we're gonna try that out this week and see how it feels see how it fits and if it uh, turns out pretty damn sexy then we're going to march forward with it uh, and if not then you know not much lost right yeah yeah cool. sounds good um, so we're starting with Age of Ultron Avengers Age of <laughs> sorry I pulled a Bond James Bond um, with the opening scene, uh, this is a much different uh, set of Avengers from a lot of what we saw in the first Avengers, right? Like right. Well, off- they're already a cohesive unit at this point. Yeah. Versus like having to come together and bond and whatnot. So they've already gotten to know each other. I'm sure they've been training together. Um, mm-hmm. They've, you know. They've even mentioned that they've been on several, several missions, taking down Hydra bases, looking for the Scepter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be uh, better at working together. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was cool just to get, like, right out the gate, like, this, you know, these awesome, like, teamwork fighting scenes you know beating down like um you know struckers men and uh, you know just gaining on the base and you know going after loki's scepter that was really and cool. just the banter between them was just really fun and right like isn't shit like the first word of the movie i think so like when tony goes shit like when he misfires or something like that and then cap goes language and becomes like one of the best runners of any mcu movie like they yeah. Yeah, and I find that, like, really funny. Because, I mean, like, Cap was in the army. Right. I mean, like... Where everyone's a potty mouth. Pretty much. It's not like he's this sheltered, you know, Boy Scout. Like, everyone tries to make him out to be. Like, I'm sure he has seen some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure he's, at the same time, he's like, you know, there's no need to use that kind of language. <laughs> Well, I think that comes from him being, like, from the 40s, you know, like, he doesn't curse in front of women and things like that. Not so much that he's, um, not so much that he's just like, oh, don't curse at all, Mm -hmm. or I've never heard such language or anything like that, or, you know, it's not that. It's just, you know, he was raised to be respectful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's, That's a very good point. Um, so like I said, we have, you know, the Avengers kicking ass, taking names, working as a team. Uh, this is our very first glimpse of, uh, the, the twins. They're not called the mutants. Um, they, I think in this movie, they're called the enhanced, uh, for a brief period of time. And of course that brings us to Wanda Maximoff and Pietro Maximoff. Um, and, uh, Yeah. What what do you think about the twins, Lindsay? Um, I think it's very sad. <laughs> I think, you know, I I think obviously they've been kind of corrupted and sold this lie mm-hmm. that they are um, defending their parents and making up for their deaths and 
um, you know, doing this for their country. Um, but that's not really the truth. They've obviously been corrupted and by Hydra. Yeah. So. And then they turn around and it happens again with Ultron. Yes. So they they got dealt a pretty shitty hand. Yeah, they obviously are, they're not too quick on the uptake. Yeah, um, but, you know, they've, they've lived a rough life. Uh, of course, you know, in the, uh, in WandaVision, we get a good idea of some of the stuff that Wanda went through when she was captured and when she was first, um, I guess. I, it's been a while since I last watched that scene from WandaVision, but, you know, they, you know, expose her to the, the power that's, contained in Loki's scepter and then she gets her powers and yeah yeah um but anyways so you know Tony manages to break in um he starts to uh look for the scepter and Wanda comes up right behind him and warps his mind which sets in motion basically the whole events of the movie but it is worth pointing out that she didn't implant this idea in his mind. Sure. She just made his anxiety about it worse. Yeah, it's not inception. Right. Like, he was already worked up about this idea of protecting Pepper, protecting his friends. She just kind of, like I said, upped the anxiety level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she... That's a good way of putting it, for sure. Yeah. Um... So they manage, uh, Tony manages to grab the scepter. That's, you know, that's when we get the title card. He grabs it, they leave, title card. And then um, we have them back at, uh, back at, what uh, is it uh, Avengers Tower? Is that? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Um, and I think for the most part, everyone is like preparing for that night's like, party festivities and whatnot because they're celebrating like the capture of the scepter yeah and they're gonna send thor off and right yeah yeah to to write the the nine realms and and whatnot um but uh tony starts tinkering out tinkering with the scepter before handing it off and he realizes or starts to realize some of the power that it holds and you know he projects you know to bruce what's uh, he found in the scepter and you know they start to talk about how it looks like a thinking brain only in like you know cosmic machine form basically yes um do uh so i wanted to ask you this uh you know so this is kind of where tony's idea starts to really hatch do you think there would ever be a scenario where tony's plan for global put- global protection could work like- no um i think it's a good idea in theory but i mean i think there's always going to be that next batter bad guy mm-hmm. um so there's no way just to protect everyone in the world and there's no way to just um force people into peace because that's not really peace yeah and so then even if you like manage to take over the world with all of his robots or whatever and his idea would be to you know let them live in peace and you know not have so many weapons and not have war and everything 
but the people would kind of start rising up against him i think Mm -hmm. and so and that's not even like mentioning like threats from outer space and other planets and things like that that are going to come about eventually there's going to be something that he couldn't handle yeah yeah it is it is a little surprising um i i I agree with all that by the way um very good points um i do find it a little surprising that tony doesn't have the foresight to kind of see that this plan wouldn't really work out like it's just human nature for people to want to uh argue with each other um and you know when when times become better than they were we still manage to find something to complain about and that's not being pessimistic that's just realism yeah well like even when his robots are deployed to like you know try to bring people to safety or try to keep people from um getting into the firefight right you know you see people like attacking the robots and, and they were freaked out damaging yeah. them and yeah um because they you know they felt like they were causing part of the problem mm-hmm. and so i think tony's time would be better spent learning to um are doing his best to protect the ones that he loves and cares about more closer to home and yeah. like uh you know uh creating a more cohesive unit among the avengers mm-hmm. than trying to like protect the whole world right so kind of like nick fury's initial suggestion for his for him and his role in the avengers right what was like a consultant basically um not really him but just being a consultant i don't mind him being an avenger or whatever i just mean like um instead of trying to protect the whole world i think he should you know um have an active hand in it no i think i think he should just try to calm some of his anxieties by having a solid plan for like hey if it goes to shit this is where pepper's gonna go this is this is what the avengers are gonna do this is rather than and having a plan like that rather than trying to be like, oh, I'm going to protect the whole world because that's just too big. Right. And like really his anxieties in his heart is in the right place. He really wants to protect people and not lose anybody. Um, but like I said, it's just too big of a problem. So I think he needed to think a little smaller mm-hmm. and have that written out and I think it would decrease some of his anxiety so he wouldn't feel this overwhelming need to build all these suits and right sounds like you could be amused to Tony Stark maybe maybe <laughs> I'd like to see that um so the next uh next I kind of title all these um these chapters of Age of Ultron um I have this next one is Ultron's Escape. The other one was Scepter Diagnostics. Um, but yeah, in Ultron's Escape, so we have the party uh, and celebration. However, Ultron becomes sentient, takes a physical form, and ruins the Scepter retrieval celebration after party uh, and retreats back to Sokovia where he kills Strucker and frees Wanda and Pietro. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, right off the bat, things are just not going great, you know, and uh, Tony's pissed, but Thor is far more pissed. Um, yes. Rightfully so. I mean, everyone really should just be severely pissed at Tony and like poor Bruce. He's like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I tried to. <laughs> I helped. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Poor Bruce. I love him, but yeah, he, yeah, he just, he got stuck in the middle there. I feel like, um, uh, so we have, uh, we have the recruitment of Wanda and Pietro uh, from Ultron. And within that recruitment, we learn their beef of with Tony Stark um, and Iron Man uh, back when, you know, Tony was dabbling in warfare and whatnot, you know, or. Well, the- I mean, that was like his whole company, like mm-hmm. his father, Howard, you know, they were all weapons. Yep. That's all they did was weapons, and so it's obvious that they got into the wrong hands. They weren't just being wielded by America. They were obviously bought and sold by other countries because of Obadiah. Right. And so um, it wasn't necessarily Tony's fault. Mm-hmm. Um but the whole sins of the father kind of thing yeah. is kicked. I mean, and it t- was, I mean, it was Stark. It was his company, his name, his tech. Yeah. yeah. Was on, you know, the bomb. And so rightfully so they have some anger directed toward him. Mm-hmm. Um, even though at this point he's disabled a lot of the weapon building and things right. from his company. And they're trying to focus on, energy and developing food and medical supplies things like that now yeah but you know as they say and in this case quite literally the damage was done you know it doesn't matter really what tony's intentions are or what his intentions are now um you know they you know they won't give him a chance to uh to to explain himself they don't care what he has to say all they know is that uh they he, him and his family took away their entire livelihood. Yes. Which uh, fucking sucks. So, um, so the, the recruitment and the kind of brainwashing, uh, that Ultron does to Wanda and Pietro, I think is kind of low key. One of the things that makes him a great villain, like he's a machine, uh, and uh, he, he's motivated by logic, but obviously he also has a firm grasp on like human emotions, yeah, which makes him incredibly dangerous and uh, meaning like he can easily manipulate humans. Um, yes, very he, much so. You know, plug into their their emotional psyche and you know tweak things and, and say certain things. So like he's he's got the like the best of both worlds, like the left brain and the right brain, even though he really only uses the left brain, like he knows how the right brain works. So it like, I, I think Ultron is like low key, like one of the MCU's greatest villains up until this point at the very least. Um, so, you know, he's, uh, he's starting off on a right foot, you know, with <laughs> the, the recruiting of the two, you know, quote unquote mutants. 
So yeah. um, next we have the Vibranium Shakedown. Uh, the trio seeks out Ulysses Claw to purchase the Vibranium needed. So Andy Circus. This is the first look that we uh, get of him and his role as Ulysses Claw in the MCU. He doesn't have a you know uh, a a big role in the MCU, but he does show up once or twice more. And he is the notorious. Um, what is he technically a miner of a vibranium, or is he a buyer in this instance? I, I I don't know. I just know that he has somehow illegally obtained vibranium mm. and is distributing it to bad guys. Yes. Yeah. The <laughs> the point to, to be had here is that it is not on the books and the up and up. It Correct. Is, it is very much black market dealings and whatnot because uh, technically all the vibranium uh, belongs to Wakanda because that's where it sits under. So... Um, anyways, so um, this is where uh, Ultron and the twins go to tr- uh, attempt to obtain um, some vibranium so they can start to hatch their plan in um, global domination. And that's pretty much all that the twins know about the plan as of right now. Correct? It, 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 does that sound right? Yeah, like, they pretty they just know that they need this, and so yeah, that, they're going to get it. And I, I think that both of them are so blinded by hatred and disdain for the the Stark family that at this point they're willing to follow Ultron to the end of the Earth and are just kind of blinded by what he's actually all about. Yes. Um, so. Um, the Avengers attempt to intercept, but it goes horribly. Uh, Wanda warps pretty much everyone's minds, um, and we get a glimpse of everyone's haunting visions, which some allude to future events uh, that we'll see in the MCU, and others are just kind of uh, glimpses into that person's um, psyche. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, the one good one for you know like future events is Thor's visions. He basically sees Ragnarok happening. You know, uh, events of Ragnarok. Um, that's why he ends up taking off basically right after this. Um, you know, the battle. Um, Natasha. You know, she. Why don't you talk about Natasha? <laughs> Uh, well, she sees, like, visions of her past from the Red Room where mm-hmm. uh, she was also also emotionally manipulated as a child to become yeah. um, this amazing spy. Um, but they, you know, they turned her into a killer. And they also um, made it impossible for her to get pregnant and so took away some of her choices and... Um, basically, Wanda is just, like, bringing up all this, like, emotional trauma, like, in their past. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's not good. And, uh, and then we have Steve, which is kind of like the same thing. What I, I felt like Steve's might have been the most ambiguous, to, uh, at least to me. Like, it, it, it was just him, you know, um, he feels guilty, I think, because he kind of feels like he abandoned Peggy mm-hmm. and he never got that dance. Right. 
And so um, he was just getting to the point in his life where he had a little bit of confidence and he was actually going to go try and get the mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. And then he was frozen in ice. And yeah. now he's back thrown into the future and he's totally awkward again trying to catch up. Right. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one. If you think about it too much, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. I mean, they're all you know pretty heartbreaking. I mean, yeah. in the events of Ragnarok, you know, we'll eventually get to that. But that's basically the end of Asgard as Thor knew it his entire life. So yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so uh, we we don't see uh on screen the 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 warping um of uh, Bruce's minds, but we do see the aftermath of it, uh, which of course gives us the very first look at Veronica, aka the Hulkbuster armor. Yes, yeah. um, I also found it um, really cute slash entertaining how Tony was talking to Bruce slash the Hulk mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah, you could really tell like how they had bonded and how they had obviously been training together with the Hulk. Right. Because, you know, he's like, come on, Hulk. Come on, Bruce. You got to listen to me. Yeah. Come on. Give me something go to here. Sleep, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he obviously really doesn't want to hurt his friend. At the same time, he's not too worried about hurting the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, you know, it, Hulk survived a lot. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, he he said he put a gun in his mouth and the other guy spit out the bullet. You know, yeah. he said that in the first Avengers movie, so we can uh, we know exactly the kind of damage that Bruce slash the Hulk can take. So, yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, they together they kind of lay waste to that part of uh, of Africa. So that was that was not great, but you know, it's a movie. So, um, so after this, we have uh, the calm before the storm. This, uh, so this is kind of what kicks off. I believe you have a little bit of beef with this movie and the, the direction that they took with um, some of the, the character choices in terms of their relationships and whatnot. Well, I just felt like Clint is like one of the most underdeveloped characters as far as like backstory and like where he came from and everything. It's never really clearly stated. Mm-hmm. And so then they're like, how do we make the audience care about him? Oh, we'll give him a family. That's it. Okay. I just felt like it was kind of lazy on their part. Yeah, I guess I can kind of see that. Um, I mean, I, I know you you mentioned that you would much rather have Clint and Natasha be an item, which also yeah, makes well, sense. I, I just felt like they were kind of best friends, kind of flirting this, you know, last movie. I mean, Natasha's entire motivation for, like, joining the Avengers was to get Clint back. Mm-hmm. And then even in this movie, like, when something happens to Natasha, Clint's the only one looking for her. He's going, Nat, Nat, anybody's got eyes on Nat. Yeah. Nobody else is even paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I really felt like there was, like, chemistry there. I felt like they were watching each other's back. So I felt like, you know, it made sense in some ways for them to have a relationship and they do have a relationship it's just not a romantic one which is fine 
Yeah, I mean, at the you know, I don't think every relationship at the end of the day has to boil down to who you have sex with. You know, I mean, sex is nice, feels great, but uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of relationships to be had in in life, and you know, you can't expect one person to fulfill every need and want. Um, so yeah, I, I think what Nat and Clint had is pretty fucking solid yeah um you know the you know they didn't just have like a professional relationship you know they had they developed a personal relationship as well which i, I think made that their dynamic so great so um but yeah like you said we find out uh you know clint's uh, you know driving the uh, the quinjet and um he i don't know why i, I did the steering wheel motion <laughs> exactly how he was driving um but yeah he says he's taking them to a safe house turns out to be his house uh with his wife and he's got what three kids uh he has two kids and one on the way that's right and then in hawkeye he's effectively got three kids and they're they're pretty well grown at that point in time i think right well in hawkeye yeah but i mean you see them in um uh end game yes yeah when they get dusted yeah and and nate nathaniel is i don't know three or four i would guess yeah yeah um so so we got that um one of the pivotal scenes in my opinion i mean there's there's a couple for sure but in my opinion it's the chat between steve and tony and you know this is really like like i said it's the calm before the storm where not just the storm in this movie but the events of civil war where you really start to like they're they're talking it out you know this is really one of the first like conversations that we see these two characters have which end up being the you know for lack of better words like the leaders of the two teams you know the team team stark or team cap and um yeah uh, I just I, I thought that this scene was really well done and you know it kind of created a little bit of tension and uh, you know like I said uh, alluded to what? lots of future events yeah for sure um and then of course we we get to see Nick Fury pop up where you know he got set up uh, Tony did you know I love the line where he walks in and uh, he's like Hello, dear. Tell me what ails you. <laughs> like, it took me, I think, maybe five or six viewings of this movie to realize that it was a John Deere tractor. And maybe, like, it was uh, the subtitles. Like, I finally watched it with the subtitles. And because, like, I guess I'm an old man now. And so I have t- subtitles for everything. But yeah, when I saw that deer was spelled like John Deere, I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we have, like, Nick Fury popping out, and he's like, you got the scepter for two fucking seconds, and you're building a robot army on accident. <laughs> you know, obviously, Tony wasn't trying to create a robot army right away. Right. Um, this thing kind of became sentient on its own. He was trying to scan it, trying to find out more about it, and that's just Tony. He's very inquisitive. He's a science guy. Mm-hmm. He's an engineer, likes to yeah. take things apart and find out how they tick. Yeah. So, 
I don't think it's anything he necessarily did on purpose. No, I think absolutely. it just kind of got out of hand. And Ultron kind of took his idea of like world peace and completely manipulated it into something that wasn't good and definitely wasn't going to work. And I don't think Tony's idea was the greatest either, but I think Ultron made it even worse, obviously. Right. I mean, technically Ultron's plan uh, would have brought peace, but not the kind of peace that humans are looking for. Right, like yeah. this this utopia that we uh, that that the greatest writers of all time have all written about. Um, that's not the kind of peace that Ultron uh, was referring to. He he learned about peace, but he realized that there was no peace to be had as long as humans were inhabiting the Earth. So um, yeah, that's where that plan was hatched. Yeah. Um. So. So now we have the genesis of Vision. Um, Ultron uses the scepter to brainwash Helen Cho, uh, the um, the character that we got a small glimpse of back at Avengers Tower. Um, brainwashes her into helping him develop a synthetic final form for him, for himself. Um, the beginning of the upload of his brain into the Vision kicks off uh, Wanda and Pietro's turn against Ultron, realizing that it would be, it would mean their inevitable death. So this, uh, you know, when I was talking earlier about like, you know, they're ready to follow Ultron to the end. Um, they're, they're just blinded by whatever that actually means. This is the moment where they're finding out what it actually means. And it means, you know, the, the inevitable end of them too. Right. Yeah, of all human life. Right. Obviously, their goal with ending Stark is, like, to end warmongering and to end violence in their country and to, you know, um, but not to get rid of all humans. (laughs) Right. Um, Also, like, uh, this is another great scene uh, with Wanda. Like, they've done a lot with her character in such a short period of time up to this point. Like, you know, we see uh, her, you know, warping the minds of certain Avengers. We see her um, looking into the mind of Vision. And it is a lot of that show-don't-tell kind of filmmaking methodology where, you know, instead of, like, exposition where they're like, oh, Wanda, you can read people's minds? That's great! Like... That's going to get a bunch of fucking eye rolls from the audience. But showing exactly what she's capable of, you know, that's... Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with gas. Um, and so, so yeah, now we we see the two twins starting to turn on Ultron. And that's when he basically hightails it out of there, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he leaves with uh, the... Um, I don't know what do you what do you call that the what vision is in the cradle yeah there you go the cradle um, so Rogers Romanoff and Barton their uh, their plan to execute is intercepting Ultron again um, another attempt but this time they actually managed uh, to succeed for the most part 
Um, this is also like kind of low key one of my favorite action sequences of like definitely the movie, but like maybe of you know all the phases up until this point. And I don't know. It's just a lot of fun to watch. Like because it's it's not just like trying to be Ultron. It's more like a heist. Yeah. So I, I think that's the like the the added like cherry on top to to this scene is that it's it's kind of like a heist mission um and so it, it's just a lot of fun to watch I don't, I don't know what do you think yeah definitely also, i mean and we get uh we get natasha you know showing off her awesome bike riding skills yes um uh, gets me every time <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah so um so yeah, we have, uh, like I said, their their plan is relatively successful. Of course, uh, Natasha is, um, she's doesn't manage to escape. She she gets uh, abducted basically by Ultron, right? Yes. Um, um, but they do manage to retrieve the cradle, mm-hmm. and they bring it back to Stark Tower. Right, um, and. Uh, we haven't really covered Thor yet. Like, you know, we, we mentioned earlier that he goes off for a little bit and he does, he goes to see Dr. Selvig and they, I forget exactly where they go, but you know, he goes to these ancient, springs. Yeah. The, something. This, this nice little hot spring, this nice little area, probably buy a little cute B and B makes really good bacon. I don't know. Um, but they, uh, you know, he's, he gets like the, the full vision of like Ragnarok and the infinity stones. And this is kind of like our, our big introduction to the fin- infinity stones. Um, you know, he comes back to um, uh, the, the Avengers tower. They're all bickering about what to do with uh, the cradle and the, you know, somewhat, uh, synthetic organic body inside um, and Thor just basically comes in you know and just lightning just brings it to life um, and, and ends the argument right then and there um, and I forget exactly like what what his do you remember his like reasoning was does he give much reasoning for like coming in and just taking control and doing that like i think he's just upset like because you know he says something like um you know we've had contact with like three of the infinity stones within the last few years and this isn't good and Mm -hmm. we need to get this situation under control so knock it off (laughs) right do you think he felt like it would be better if the stone was brought to life in the form of a like a not like a human, but in the form of vision, as opposed to it just being a stone. Like, do, do you I, think? I think he just wanted to make sure it was out of the hands of people who were trying to manipulate it for not good. Right. Yeah. So, so now, like, the stone has a way to protect itself rather than just being something like a soccer ball or a football that could just be picked up and, you know, be like, all right, I get the stone now. Bye. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so Thor brings the vision to life. We get the vision, um, and um, uh, let's see. Sorry, you know, the, uh, w- when he first comes to life, Vision is. Uh, they're like, so are you good? Are you bad? Are are you on our side? Are you on their side? Whose side are you on? Um, they have all these questions, and rightfully so. And Vision's like, I don't think it's that simple. Uh, but they. In the end, they decide to trust him because turns out he can wield Thor's hammer. He can wield Mjolnir. Just picked it right up and handed it to Thor. He's like, we got work to do. Um, and they're like, well, shit. Because <laughs> this is kind of like a callback to the earlier scene uh, from like the the after after party where they're, you know, they're all placing bets on who can actually pick up Thor's hammer. Yes. And, you know, that we had that. And it's revealed that only... Um, only the ones who are worthy can mm-hmm. wield it. Right. And worthy of ruling Asgard. Right. And um, so none of them could really move it, though we get a hint that Steve can, Yeah. Can you know. Yeah, that, w- that was a long play there. Like, we see it, like, move just a tiny bit, but, like, you know, he, he couldn't move it just yet. Um. Steve really had to prove himself worthy there. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, he hands uh, Mjolnir off to Thor, and they decide to um, to form the Alliance and uh, go go kick some robot ass. Um, the, uh, the, the final... The final countdown. We built this city! Um, is... The Avengers, they learn of Ultron's plan to basically lift part of Sokovia uh, and drop it from space, basically creating a kind of a uh, a machine-made asteroid that will decimate life, which uh, wouldn't be good if it actually happens. No. Um, (laughs) Yes, it it would, in fact, not be great. Um, There were unfortunate casualties, um, Unfortunately, but uh, we have, and that will that will actually lead to um, more events that will that will spiral in uh, the one of the next movies, Civil War. Yes. So, uh, but we're not quite there yet. Um, so you know we we basically just have a, a giant forty-five minute battle scene um, where uh, with all the Avengers trying to. Uh, either evacuate the the citizens of Sokovia off of the flying rock onto the helicopter where, you know, Rhodey and Nick Fury and uh, what's uh, Agent Hill? Yes. Yeah. They all show up with a helicarrier and a couple other, you know, transports to get everyone off the, the floating rock. Yes. And Wanda and Petro are helping at this yes. point as well right yeah thank you um yeah uh, hawkeye has that fun little talk with wanda where you know he's like look you know i uh, we have people flying and you know we have an actual demigod and i'm a dude with a fucking bow and arrow none of this makes any sense but i'm gonna do out go, i'm gonna go back out there and kill some machines because it's my goddamn job um and so that was 
a, a fun little pep talk and also some like recognition uh, about uh, some like up until this point, you know, there there's like, you know, there's Tony with his, you know, with his suit and Thor and Hulk, like, you know, these these mighty Avengers. And then there's Natasha and Clint, who are mere mortals for the most part. Um, they're badasses, but it's like, hmm, what can they do? You know, and they kind of, what's the right word here? Like, they, they kind of acknowledge that right here? Yeah, um, I think it's just him acknowledging that um, he's always felt maybe a little bit of an outcast from some of the other Avengers, him and Natasha. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it's not just like superpowers or having a ton of money or having a flying suit. It's also about um, your heart being in the right place and also being brave enough to do what is right mm-hmm. and get shit done. Yeah. And also... Clint and Natasha, I mean, they're very skilled. I mean, they've been training since they were very, very young. Mm-hmm. So, for yeah. sure. But they definitely have to take some Advil after these, <laughs> you know, battles. Get a, get a frozen bag of peas, tape yeah. it to their knees. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, we, we have Wanda and Pietro kind of joining the Avengers, more or less. And, and helping, you know, right some wrongs and, and all that. Uh, and, uh, you know, through the, through the battles, Pietro ends up running to block bullets that were shot, I believe, from one of the one of the machines. Yes. Uh, the, they were meant for who are they meant for? Uh, they were meant for was it Clint or? Yeah, because they had that runner of like didn't see that coming. Um, so he basically dies for Clint. And this begins the lament of Wanda. Um, and, you know, she, her, her story from here up until Multiverse of Madness is basically just one giant uh, tragedy with some happiness rolled into the mix. But it's, it's well, it's not lot. like her story so far has been fluff and joy. I yeah. mean, you know. Right. Yeah, that's um so yeah, this this kind of be uh, starts that snowball of of not only loss but like just loss upon loss and her uh I don't want to say inability to deal with that, but like uh lacking the proper means, I guess, and the guidance like cuz that was that was her last family member. So, you know, People need family to lean back on, and uh, she she just lost her you know her only family member. But soon she will find family in Vision, um, and you know we'll get to that in Civil War, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Um. So uh, what ends up uh, putting an end to the giant uh, floating rock? is Tony and Thor combining their machine power and celestial power and blowing it to complete shit. Um, and this makes it uh, uh, more manageable, uh, just a, a billion little rocks instead of one giant rock, which 
I'm sure still causes quite a bit of damage, but not as much, you know, global catastrophic damage as what they were once looking at. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we got the aftermath, uh, and we, we kind of see where everyone is uh, like, we have a, a lot of parting of ways here. You know, we, we have the Hulk who, you know, Natasha had to talk him into talk Bruce into using the Hulk. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, Bruce is still at that point where he only sees the Hulk as like almost not even as like a last resort. Like he, he sees it as like an infection or, you know, I forget exactly what the, what he called it. And he doesn't embrace that side of himself like at all. Right. Yeah. Um, so we have the Hulk leaving on the Quinjet and we will catch up to him, of course, in Thor Ragnarok. Um, we have, uh, Vision who abruptly ends Ultron, uh, like a fucking beast, um, after one of the, uh, the best clapbacks of all time where (laughs) he's like, he's like, you are incredibly naive. And he's like, well, I was born yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines. I don't know why. It's just so good. Um, and then we have the reveal of the new Avengers compounds. Um, this is the upstate New York uh, compound. And they they haven't shown it yet, I don't believe. But they're, you know the plan was to sell the, the Avengers Tower in New York City. Which... If, you know, depends on who you talk to, but it could be the new Baxter building whenever they finally decide to incorporate the Fantastic Four into the MCU, which I believe at this point is inevitable, right? Didn't they announce that? Uh, I believe so, at least in some multiverse or another. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm very interested to see where they go with that. Uh, I recently rewatched some of the the Fantastic Four movies um, and... uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what they end up doing with it. Um, but yeah, we have the new Avengers compounds. We have the base uh, run by Nick Fury, um, Agent Hill, uh, Cho, and Selvig. Uh, Thor returns to Asgard to learn more about um, the, you know, the Infinity Stones and the forces he suspects that have manipulated major events. Stark leaves. Um, he's kind of taking this as like a... I think a pseudo retirement almost. Um, yeah. Or, or at least, you know, a, a temporary, uh, like a sabbatical, I guess, yeah. like a superhero sabbatical. Um, Barton retires more or less, but you know, he, he comes out of retirement, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I guess the next time, well, aside from civil war, he really comes out of retirement to become Ronin, right? Like, aside from Civil War. It's basically what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, like, because of Civil War, he was placed under house arrest. That's right. And that's what kind of kept him from being involved. Yeah, that's that's right. Okay. Um, and then we have, uh, basically, as the new Avengers, at this point, we have... Uh, Rogers, C. Rogers, Natasha Romanoff. Uh, we have Rhodey, Vision, Sam Wilson, and Wanda, which is a 
pretty solid fucking team. I'd yeah, say. I want to know how Captain America and Natasha are going to train these because, like, they can all fly. <laughs> like, how are how are they going to provide like strategy for battle? <laughs> uh, well, I mean. You know, that's that's a solid point. I, I think Captain America has probably got it. He's got the foresight. He can. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he has seen real life battle. I mean, so has Sam, of course. But, uh, you know, Steve, he's he's seen some shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so I believe we I think we just have one post credit scene in this movie. Um, it's. I can't remember if it's the the mid credits or the post credits all the way at the end, but we have that that shot of the Infinity Gauntlet completely empty and devoid of stones uh, coming up out of that, uh, that that crazy safe, and we see Thanos going to put it on. He says, "Fine, I'll do it myself." Yes. So yeah, we get uh, we get our big hint here that he's going to be the the big bad for the the next two Avengers movies the foreseeable future yeah for sure so yeah that was um that was Avengers Age of Ultron um of course it took us a little bit to get through it because it is an Avengers movie so we'll uh, we'll do our best to kind of power through Ant-Man but still leave some room for uh fun discussion and whatnot uh, so, uh, with Ant-Man, we get a super informative but brief called Open, where we get a, an exterior shot of uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ um, in the 80s, where I guess it was kind of still under construction, but they were, yeah. they were still kind of operating out of there. Maybe parts of it were built and they were like adding on to it. It's kind of what it looked like from the exterior shot. Uh, but we see a young Hank Pym with some pretty good uh, facial uh, degeneration, whatever they call that. Um, de-aging? De-aging, yeah. They, they used it for, uh, I think, pretty well, used it for everyone uh, except for Peggy Carter. They kind of used the opposite for her. Um, they, they aged her up a little bit. Maybe they just threw on some makeup. Either way, uh, the the point of this scene is to just understand the disdain that Hank Pym has for literally everyone at Shield, uh, and right rightfully so, right? Well, he just doesn't want his his ideas and his property being misused, mm-hmm. and he's afraid um, of it being misused. Yeah, so he wants to control where it goes yeah like he he has a a good understanding of the uh the the inner workings of it and what it could be used for and he he realizes after developing it it's kind of like you know dr frankenstein where he's like i gotta shut this shit down kind of yeah um, so Hank Pym resigns from S.H.I.E.L.D. in hopes that their attempts to recreate the uh, Pym particle uh, will will fail. Uh, it, it'll all fail without his, his help. Um, and it kind of sort of works up until um, 
you know, we, we jump to uh, present day. Yes. And in, in present day, we're introduced to the world's sexiest burglar, um, which is Scott Lang. Um, he, we see him getting out of prison right before getting punched in the face. And he says, <laughs> y'all have the weirdest goodbye rituals. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he, he gets picked up by, by his friend. Uh, who is it? Uh, what's his name? Luis. Luis. Yeah. Um, who is probably one of, one of the best characters, like just as far as comedic characters go, like he's, yes. he's so funny. Um, and I hope that he is in more movies in the future. Definitely um, Quantum Mania, which I believe comes out next year, um, 2023. Eventually we'll get it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he immediately, uh, Luis starts talking to him about like jobs that they can pull now that he's out. And he's like, no, nah, I got to be on the straight and narrow. And <laughs> we see him at Baskin Robbins. You know, of course, we, we all know Baskin Robbins always finds out. Um, but he, they were nice to him. They let him take a, uh, you know, like a, a smoothie on his way. <laughs> yeah. So we see him working at Baskin Robbins and they let him go because they find out about his prison record. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and what's funny about that is like, he was like, oh, I'm not worried about finding a job. Even though I'm a con, I'm not worried about it. You know, I have, uh, degrees in electrical engineering mm-hmm. and then... You know, then he's kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out that doesn't really matter what you have a master's in. If you have a record, turns out that it's hard to get a job anywhere. Yeah. So. So, but he has a daughter. He's trying to like turn his life around. So he's like, you know, he's trying to stay uh, not in a life of crime. But once he gets fired from Baskin Robbins... He that um, the idea of staying away from crime is kind of loosened up. Yeah, he, he he's figured out, he's figured out that it's going to take um, over a year for him to get um, custody of his daughter or fifty fifty custody of his daughter. Yeah, it was like six hundred some odd days. Yeah, so two years then. Right. Um, for him to be able to try to find a job, get settled, pay child support, get his mm-hmm. own apartment. So he decides, okay, well maybe maybe I could do one last job. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Um and then um so that's what leads eventually to them breaking into Hank Pym's house. Yeah. Where but we they- we don't know that at the time. We just know it as some spooky old mansion. Right. And so he steals the suit, um, the Ant-Man suit, um, he thinks it's just some old motorcycle jacket. He's pretty pissed because he thought this safe was going to have all these jewels and gold and money. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that's in there is this weird motorcycle jacket. So he just goes ahead and takes it. Um, we get a brief preview of what the suit does. He tries it on. Mm-hmm. And shrinks himself down on accident. <laughs> um, Trial by water. Yes. And um, this was this sequence was pretty funny. Like yeah, we him, hear Hank. Him, yeah, we yeah he goes comes through the suit. Yeah, we hear Hank Pym trying to give him instructions on kind of what to do. Um, 
Anyway, once he gets back to normal size, he was like, that was really messed up. I am taking this suit back where it belongs. He runs the suit back where it belongs into the spooky old house, puts it down, leaves the spooky house, and there's cops yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and so he Whoops. gets arrested. Um, I, I love how he's like... Uh, he's like, I'm not stealing. I was returning the suit that I stole. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, to top it all off, um, his wife has remarried. Mm-hmm. And so his daughter, who he desperately wants to spend more time with, has a new stepdad who is also a cop yeah. and gets arrested by. So that's mm-hmm. just tops it all off for him. By the guy who gets typecast as a cop in like every single thing that he's in. I guess because he's Italian and he... He plays a cop really like he is a cop here. He is a cop in uh, Will and Grace. Um, I've seen him in like a couple other things where he was also like some sort. He was a cop in the other guys with Will Ferrell and um, and Marky Mark. Yeah. Uh, so he just plays that character really well. So anyway, um, he uh, is arrested and. Um, obviously he's like, I can't stay here. I can't go back to jail. Um, turns out that Hank is his lawyer. Yeah. So (laughs) Hank breaks in, um, gives him some advice and manages to sneak the suit in. Mm -hmm. Um, some kind of a job interview almost. Yeah. He's Uh, like, Hey, if you can uh, put the suit on in 10 seconds and escape the prison, then I might have a job for you. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And so he does. And so then we get back to the Pym household Mm -hmm. um, where he starts figuring out what all this is and what Ant-Man is and what the powers are and how the suit works, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. He meets Hank and finds out that he can control ants uh, with the... With his minds, sort of. Yes. I mean, he stimulates their receptors through a uh, a device that looks like a hearing aid. Yes. So, and he can make them uh, carry uh, little uh, little cute sugar cubes. Yes. Um, we also find out that he needs something stolen. Right. Which is why. Um, I need you to break in and steal some shit. Yes. After he says, okay, I'm back on the straight and narrow. Oh, wait, I'm breaking in somewhere to steal something else. Um, We also found, find out that Hank has his daughter um, on the inside Mm -hmm. of PIM Technologies, which he's no longer a part of. He was uh, thrown out for not sharing his technology. Right. Um, And, And it looks like, the plan is to turn it into cross technologies or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We but, see like a, a little model of the soon to be like renovated building or new building or something like that. Yeah. So, um, Hank Pym has his daughter, um, hope on the inside, um, kind of manipulating this guy that's over Pym technologies now, Darren mm-hmm. cross. Right. Um, Darren is trying to recreate the Ant-Man suit, um, and his plan is to use it for, um, 
basically soldiers and just yeah. creating war and he's basically using it as a weapon. Yeah, and he wants to sell it to Hydra, basically. That, yeah. The, like the remaining parts of Hydra. Like, even though, you know, we're past the point of uh, Captain America, um, the Winter Soldier, where, you know, they took down S.H.I.E.L.D. slash Hydra. Apparently, um, parts of Hydra are still very much alive and working, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's his plan is to to have the technology sold off and create, uh, you know, little tiny soldiers that can uh, go where no soldier has gone before, literally. So, yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So basically, uh, They've got a plan um, to break in, and Scott's learning how to use the suit and learning how to use its powers, learning how to shrink down, um, and also training with Hope, which was a hilarious uh, scene. Yeah, the whole training montage was was pretty great. I mean, it's not necessarily like a, a traditional montage. You know, there's there's some breaks in there with some dialogue, but yeah, yeah. like you said, her his training with her. He's like, I'm going to go easy on you. And she's like, well, you're going to regret that. <laughs> and then effectively kicks his ass. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, then they come across a problem. They need some sort of part um, to put this whole heist um, together. Yeah. Um, Hank says, oh, it's being stored in, you know, Stark Technologies. It's just in this old warehouse. No big deal. Little does he realize that... Um, Tony has turned it into the new Avengers compound. Right. So they decide to break in to to get this part, thinking it's just some old warehouse, bunch of fouling cabinets, and Falcon shows up. <laughs> and boy, does he! Yeah. Uh, so what what's impressive here is that like Falcon wasn't expecting to fight a tiny dude, but he adapts pretty damn quickly. Yes. Like, like we get a, gl- a good look at how great of a, a soldier and a fighter Sam is right here. Like, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, uh, Scott ends up with the part that he was looking for and escapes with it. But, you know, like I said, Sam wasn't expecting to deal with an, a literal Ant-Man uh, who can shrink and go back to normal size uh, in, you know, milliseconds. But he adapts to the situation. That's, you know, that's why he's an Avenger. Yes. Um, yeah, very funny. I always appreciate Falcon. Yeah. Uh, he's great, amazing. Yeah, great character. Okay, so now they have the part they need. Um, now they find out they need a few extra hands to help the heist um continue so they end up having to hire Luis mm-hmm. and um some of the other uh cons yeah we got ti i forget his character's name and then uh the baba yaga guy like yeah. we i mean he doesn't talk about the baba yaga until uh, ant-man and the wasp but he's uh he's super funny <laughs> They're all very funny. Yeah. So um, they have to school them on who Ant-Man is and all of the powers and everything. Right. So then they get this plan together. They're going to go forward with the heist. 
and yeah um so um they end up crash end up crashing the party uh, or attempt to crash the party of the this big unveil uh, unveiling of the uh, the the technology at the um, at PIM Technologies because at this point Darren Cross has successfully recreated the PIM particle or what his version of the PIM particle is and so they you know the um, Hank and Scott and everyone else they they uh, they kick their plan off with. Um, sneak, sneaking into the events and um, not it's not you know he says it's not just a heist like it's a, a demolition more or less yeah and uh, you know he ends up getting captured or they all the three of them end up getting captured but they manage to turn the tables um, knock out some of the the hydra agents or shoot them kill them I, I don't know what happens but um, I, I do like one little detail where Luis is, uh, you know, he knocks out that bodyguard, but you know, he's not like a bad guy. He was just, you know, a bodyguard working for PIM Technologies <laughs> and he goes back. He's like, Oh, I forgot the guy. <laughs> like I noticed that this last time where he's like, he actually goes back for him, uh, to make sure that, you know, he didn't like blow up and, and shrink to death in inside the building. Yes. Um, but yeah, we have, Scott, who manages to chase down Darren in the uh, in the helicopter, yes, and we see for the first time uh, Darren Cross's ability to use the yellow jacket suit and shrink down using his new technology, and uh, you know we have that fun fight scene. I mean, this is basically just one long fight scene, broken up a little bit. Uh, but you know, kicks off with a little bit of uh, music from The Cure, uh, <laughs> where he, he like he says something, and then Siri is like, "Okay, playing The Cure." <laughs> Plays like that epic music. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, they they end up crashing into someone's pool in in their backyard while they were outside grilling. Yes, so they're fighting. Um, the yellow jacket gets caught in a bug zapper. Right. Um, during this time, I guess the family has the barbecuing family has wised up and called the police. Mm-hmm. Thanks, uh, family. Right. <laughs> so um, Ant Man is arrested mm-hmm. and um, is being taken back to jail. Um, when. They hear over the intercom that something's going on at um, his daughter's house, right. uh, which is also the stepdad's house. Yep. So they end up turning around and going straight for the house. Turns out Yellow Jacket has escaped from the bug zapper and is threatening Cassie for some reason, the yep. daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. His his plan is uh, I don't know what his plan is. I, I for- this is very vague. Like what what exactly? Like okay, you're trying to get away from your mortal enemy here and trying to get away with this technology, and you're gonna go kidnap his daughter, and that's gonna make him leave you alone. I don't. I, I don't even think kidnapping was was his uh, was his goal. Like I I think he wanted. 
I don't know, like, how do you feel about Darren Cross as a villain? Like, I feel like he's a little cut and paste for this movie. I don't think he was very um, fleshed out Yeah, enough. Yeah. But I, I, I also feel like this movie is what a superhero movie should be. It, you're not meant to think real hard about it. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. Yeah. And Ant-Man is fun. He's got a lot of one-liners. Mm-hmm. And he's just an interesting character. Like, this is not... We're, I mean, I know some people do, but in my opinion, it's not where you're supposed to be going deep into the lore <laughs> and all this stuff. Yeah. So anyway, he's going after the daughter. We get this amazing scene where they fight on top of a Thomas the Train. Um, Our son Charlie loves this scene. Yes. Like, this is kind of the only part of the movie that he will watch. Um, but we have to, like, bring up the clip from YouTube where... Yes. Yeah. The, the Thomas fight scene where yeah. Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket are fighting with Thomas. And then the Thomas the Train gets, like, blown up and thrown into the yard, which is just <laughs> hilarious. It um, is. I laugh every single time. Uh. Anyway, end of the day, um, Darren loses. Yeah. Um, S- Scott decides that uh, it's a, a callback from earlier in the movie where uh, Hank talks about his wife um, going subatomic and... Um, that's that's how they end up losing her. She realizes that the only way to uh, succeed in the mission that the two of them were on was for her to go subatomic so that she could reach the part of the ship that she was they were trying to get to. Yeah. And Scott decides to do the same thing, make the ultimate sacrifice. But he manages like, you know, we see him tinkering with the that that thing on his belt. Uh, that Hank told him not to do, but he did it anyways because you know he's not just some Joe Schmo. He's a he's got a master's in electrical engineering. Yes. Um, and so he went to the quantum realm, uh, manages to pull himself back, but unfortunately uh, for Hank, doesn't remember anything about it. Yes. Um. So. Uh. So yeah. That's uh, that's more or less Ant Man, right? Yes. And uh, with our so we have two post credit scenes with Ant Man. Um, we have uh, a hint at the Wasp, um, which we get with the next Ant movie, Ant Man movie, Ant Man yes. and the Wasp. Um, that was so was the Wasp uh, his wife uh, Hank's wife's. Uh, character and yes. so it's kind of getting passed down to her yes yeah and it's just an updated version of the suit i think yeah maybe. um and or, so hope his daughter is hank's daughter is going to um become the wasp basically she's been begging to use the technology in the suit the whole time and mm-hmm. he's like no 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 because he's trying to protect her right which is why he hires scott instead of just letting her do it yeah um right but, but I, I'm really excited about her character. She's, um, you know, she's smart and she's not overly sexualized and she's uh, just another fun character. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she's great. I, I like her a lot. She's, she's she's a very undervalued character. She's she's amazing. Um, and then we have our second post credit scene at the very end, which is a just a straight up clip from Captain America: Civil War. I can't remember if they actually show them capturing Bucky, uh, but it's. Um, Steve and Sam and they're talking in a warehouse of some sort and they're like you know what's what's our next move and Sam says I know a guy (laughs) and I feel like this is kind of a a fun like a half fun half serious callback to um, the uh, Ant-Man and Sam's fight uh, at the very end of the fight where he manages to escape uh, successfully with that, um, you know, reactor or, you know, whatever part that they were yeah. looking for. Uh, Sam's like, uh, Cap can't ever know about this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like it's a fun callback to him saying that when he, he's like, I know a guy and you realize, oh, like, Sam never told him that he fought an Ant-Man. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, yeah. And of course we have the, uh, Right before the credits, we get the, you know, one of Luis's amazing, like, um, voiceover, you know. Recaps. Yeah. Uh, those are always amazing. I hope that they do those forever. Yes. That would be great. Um, but yeah, it turns out that Falcon is definitely looking for him, and uh, we will, uh, Ant-Man will return. Yes. And on multiple occasions, so... Uh, yeah, so that was Ant-Man and Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, you want to do uh, some shit that doesn't suck real quick and then put a pretty little bow on it? Shit that doesn't suck. This week, my shit that doesn't suck. Uh, I've been watching a couple stuff. I've still been watching uh, Seinfeld. Um, almost done with it. I think I'm on the eighth season, and there are nine seasons. So I'll be uh, I'll be sad to see it go, but um, you know it's it's been fun rewatching it. And then uh, I took my brother this past weekend to go see uh, Sonic Two, uh, and uh, it was fun. Um, you know it very similar like the first movie it's very much a kids movie but there are there's some adult stuff in there like i mean you know like adult humor that you know your average 8 to 11 year old isn't really going to pick up on so it was it was fun um you know it's it's not bad but you know it's it's not like you know it's it's a fun it's a kids movie it's very much a kids movie and it wasn't completely miserable to sit through so that's something yeah correct <laughs> uh, absolutely uh what's your what's your shit that doesn't suck um mostly lately i've been binging um stuff you should know okay it's uh, a good podcast. podcast yeah um i mean i've just been learning about all kinds of things i've been learning about uh i believe it's china's terracotta army i've been mm. learning about um, how hot air balloons work, um, just all kinds of random 
things. Yeah. That's that's what that podcast is is so, or why it's so great is just like these random little nuggets of information. Like yeah, on and a I just find basis. it all like very interesting and humorous for the most part. Yeah, uh, we were listening to uh, a couple episodes a week or two ago uh, while we were driving in the car, and uh, it had been several years since I last listened to that podcast, and uh, I couldn't remember it being that entertaining. Like, they were joking around and stuff, and I feel like when I was listening to it, uh, they, they were a little bit more on the serious side. Like, they would cut up every once in a while, but... Maybe it was just like the the topics that they were talking about. Yeah, I think it really depends on the topic. Yeah, um, like how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, cool. uh, like I said, I've been learning a lot, and I like it, and I think everyone should check it out at least for a few topics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of hardly anything that hasn't been covered at some point. I mean, I think they're going on like seven or eight hundred episodes or something like that at this point yeah so i wonder if we'll get there maybe maybe we're gonna have to pick it up the pace (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i could handle more than once a week yeah it's it's a a chore enough to do this with it not really making much money and the kids keeping us busy it's uh it's a a chore but a very fun chore so yeah all right. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Um, like always, please uh, follow the podcast on your favorite streaming or podcast application. Uh, leave us a rating and review if you haven't already. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon if you are willing to donate a few dollars here and there to help uh, a cool cause such as this. Um. I believe that's going to do it. Uh, Yeah, be kind, stay geeky, and eat lots of cheesecake. Bye!